Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Podcast Daily. Hope you have a great Monday and a great week ahead of you. That is Bill Landis, and I am Austin Ward. Uh, we are stretching this out, Bill. We're past Father's Day, <laughs> and your position, state of the positions for Ohio State, we're not even done yet. And we could have done even more. We didn't even stretch out the linemen last week. Yeah, we have we have uh, three more left. I guess two more after after we discussed the linebackers today, uh, which is good. Like this is getting we're we're not that far from Big Ten Media Day, so so this has been a good uh, a good bridge for us, I think, to get through the uh, the slower periods of the off season. Well, we did do a thirty minute conversation about the specialists after spring camp, so we could certainly do more if we want to add another one to the series. You know what? Uh, I think maybe we shouldn't do that. I think we should we should oh. respect the, we should respect the people's time. All right, let's get into the linebackers then. Um, it gets another episode where we could just be like, "Hey, uh, they're really good. Might have one of the best groups in the country," and then just call it a wrap. Yeah, I I think um, like going through all these positions, this is the one where like the present and the future like kind of felt the best and the combination of, of the two, because you're right. Like they are, they're going to be very good this year. Um, it's funny to me, like I was thinking about this uh, earlier uh, before we started recording and like the transformation of this position over the last like four or five years, I think is, is interesting because we're not too far removed from, I, I think people rightfully so like, questioning just like hey what's up with the Ohio State's linebackers they haven't been very good for a couple of years and like 2020 and, and 2021 were, were fairly lean years 2018 was not a, a tremendously good year they were, they were good in 19 as the defense was as, as, as a whole and I suppose those things kind of go hand in hand but like they had the transformation at this position in particular made last year in, in Jim Knowles first year and he had some help from Coy McFarlane and, and helping get this this group kind of in the shape um, was among maybe the more dramatic that I've seen in, since my time covering the team. I, I don't know if you feel that way or, or not, but um, they were excellent last year. I, I don't even know if we really appreciated how good they were last year. And um, it just, I mean, I think they're going to be even better in, in 2023. Yeah, it's been a pretty rapid turnaround. And I think that there were times that there were bright spots for that unit in the last four or five years as we zoom mm -hmm. out and Pete Warner would stand out as one of the sure. top ones. And I think that even after tough Borland left, there was a little bit of an appreciation, a little bit more appreciation for what he did. We don't have to go back and, and relitigate that. I think the, the limitations that he may have had the ceiling compared to Tommy Eichenberg, like it's, it seems to be pretty clearly different. Uh, that's where all of this conversation starts for Ohio state is with Tommy Eichenberg. You have an all American coming back. Uh, I think that Steel Chambers probably doesn't get enough credit when it comes to uh, maybe NFL potential. His ceiling may be higher than Tommy's. That's probably uh, a different conversation we don't have to have today. Um, but I know that everybody wants this to be a C.J. Hicks episode, so uh, we can fast forward to that. But I, the, the only reason I don't lead with that necessarily is because you got to remember how good those two starters are. And the fact that everyone wants to find a spot for C.J. Hicks tells you what a, a bonus and a benefit it is, the luxury that Ohio State has with the way it's restocked that position. And it's also, um, as I skipped through there, not really fair to leave Cody Simon out of that equation as well. He also can make it hard for C.J. Hicks to see the field. So to, that sort of sums up what you're saying about the position, Bill, because that was not the case two years ago or three years ago, the, the depth to perform – at a championship level for Ohio State and get the silver bullets back or the regulators, whatever they want to <laughs> go by or don't or or don't want to go by. 
has changed pretty dramatically. Yeah, I think like I've I've made this mistake probably over the last year. I, I definitely have over the last year of of lumping like the CJ Hicks and Sonny Styles conversation into like one thing, and they are they're not the same. Um, safety is is very much different than what Ohio State has at linebacker right now, and that's not to say that there shouldn't be an opening for CJ Hicks. I think there is. We can talk about that in a second, but but we probably or again me has probably been a little bit. I don't know, irresponsible at times in that conversation. And I'm not trying to like tamp down the CJ Hicks hype. I think he's going to be a very, very good football player. They're just also very, very good at linebacker right now. So like, it's, it's not a, I thought it was bad that he didn't play at all last year. Um, like, I, I don't think it is a, a crime against humanity that like, he's not going to be a starter in 2023 because Tommy and Steele are awesome. Um, Tommy is like, so, so I think maybe we toss around like this guy is the best at his position sometimes a little too liberally. Like I, I truly believe it with Tommy. Like if you look at the numbers from last year, who's coming back across college football, um, the fact that he got some all American love last year, first team, all big 10 um, probably should have gotten more consideration for national awards than, than he did. Um, he is in the conversation for best returning linebacker in the country. And, and I don't think you're off base at all when you talk about Steele and like his athletic ceiling perhaps being a bit higher than Tommy's is. So those two together are really good. Cody Simon was great last year in the role they had him in. Um, maybe there's an opening for Cody and CJ to kind of share that role a little bit. CJ can do some of the Jack stuff. Maybe we'll, we'll see how that goes. But um, there is no need in, in my mind. I, they can do it if they want to, but I don't, I don't know that they need to like force CJ Hicks into a role where he's suddenly taking snaps away from steel chambers, because um, that is, that is a misread I think on, on how good steel has been. And I think can still be because as we've said, or as I've said a couple of times now, like every time he plays, I feel like he gets better. And I feel like that's going to happen next year as he continues to get more and more comfortable playing linebacker at this level than, than ultimately in the NFL. So um, they're in really good shape. Like they have, they have three, guys that like i think we all know can start for them if they need to and then two young guys in cj hicks and gabe powers who are probably going to be the starters next year but i think could also play now if you needed them to and that is just a tremendous luxury for ohio state to have and it is a testament to those guys development but also how this room has been built by the coaching staff i think over the last couple of years because it's in really good shape i don't one of the questions that we talk about all the time and you know we won't know the answer until september how different could this rotation uh, it's not that's not that's not even the right word to put it rotation because the starters are clear they're entrenched for most every meaningful snap you're not going to see tommy eichenberg come off the field but when you alluded to cj hicks not playing at all a year ago like playing depth the opportunities to do that what do you think that it's going to look like i know that's been some off-season discussion, and it and it seems like Jim Knowles is more aware that he's got to get those guys uh, the second tier or even the third tier as, as freshmen rise more involved somehow. Yeah, I, I I think and I hope that they will be quicker to get those guys in the game when like things are just clearly out of hand. Um, I think, and this is not just during Ryan Day's tenure. I think it happened probably during Urban Meyer's tenure a fair bit too. Like it, it seems to be that no matter what the state of the game is, they're not going to put those guys into the game until it's like the fourth quarter. If Ohio State's up like twenty-eight nothing in the second quarter, which happens quite a bit, I think you can play those guys. So I, I think maybe there'll be more of a willingness to do that um, for both CJ Hicks and Gabe Powers. Um, and then I think that like the the Jack stuff, I think is real. I, I don't. 
I guess some of that depends on Mitchell Melton. I think there's room for two guys to coexist in that position. They used two guys in that position at, at Oklahoma State and Jim Knowles last year. So um, I don't think that really applies to Gabe Powers. I think Gabe Powers' existence is like on the field as much as you poss- possibly can, like in, in backup reserve role, and then basically you're on every special teams unit. I think that is what Gabe Powers' 2023 season looks like. Um, CJ Hicks, I think, probably still plays a lot of special teams like he did last year. Plays those reserve those reserve snaps. Maybe there's a little bit of a ro- rotation with Cody Simon in that third linebacker spot, but then you try to set him loose a little bit from the jack position and just like simplify things for him. Utilize his athleticism, let him get after the passer a little bit, and then kind of build up that body of work for him to start next season. So um, I don't know. It feels it feels fairly straightforward to me. I think um, I don't guys like Tommy and Steele who. I think have an opportunity to really improve their NFL draft stock. Um, maybe steel in particular, maybe that's in the back of your mind a little bit. We're like, okay, like clearly we're ahead comfortably. Do we want to pull this guy off the field? I, I think you probably do. I think you want those two as fresh as possible at in crunch time at the end of the year. And you have this luxury now where you have this deep linebacker room that we at least the linebacker room we all think is going to be deep. I think you need to embrace it. So um, I'm not looking for anybody to get unseated from their starting jobs. I don't think anybody should, but I think that there is a, a, a myriad ways that Jim Knowles can get the younger guys involved and it benefits them and it benefits the older guys in the long run. I was laughing a little bit when you picked that score randomly out of thin air, 28 to nothing, because we've had, there have been several conversations. It usually comes back to quarterback. Like, why did you let Justin Fields go back out there to start the third quarter? Uh, or Because they're like 35 to nothing or 42 to nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's 28 points that he always comes up with. Like, well, you know, that can, that can still be a competitive game. And if you turn it over and then they cut it to three, suddenly you're in a tight one. Like, it's four touchdowns, Ryan. You're probably <laughs> in control here. Like, that might be a time to experiment a little bit more with a four-touchdown lead. I don't recall ever seeing Ohio State give one of those up. I'm sure someone is looking it up right now, and there's yeah. a game from the 40s where it happened. I don't recall <laughs> Ohio State – Letting go of a twenty-eight point lead. No, usually in my experience, uh, when they when they step on the throat in that way, uh, they don't re- typically let the, let the foot off. So I think, and even if it's like like I know, well, I guess what was that game? Uh, the Illinois game when Urban like took took JT Barrett out of the game and then Dwayne fumbled and he put JT back into the game. Like, but even that, like, I, I don't think that game was actually in jeopardy. I think Urban was just like pissed off and trying to make a point. Um, yeah. like, I I don't envision that happening, but. Even if you want to guard against that a little bit, I, I think when you get to that point in the game, you can rotate. I guess if you want to, like it's not a, it's not a wholesale change and let those guys play the rest of the game. You can just start working them in with the ones. I, I suppose. Um, is, I, I do think like Jim Knowles has been asked multiple times whether or not he thought it was a mistake to not play uh, C.J. Hicks or Gabe Powers at all on defense last year, and he said no. Um, I, I don't. I, I probably think in the back of his mind, in, in a more honest moment, maybe he would say like, "Yeah, we probably should have played him a little bit." So I, I don't think they're going to make that same mistake twice. It, it's almost like he's become more annoyed at that question because his last answer a month ago, when we had uh, assistant coach media day, was just like, "No," and no explanation. Yeah, I think. I think because. I, I, the implication, I guess, with that question is like CJ is really good and like or as good as Cody and or as Tommy and Steele and Cody. Like, why don't you play him more? 
And that's not, at least that's not how, not how I come with the question. I, I come with the question like, you had so much opportunity to play young guy. It's not, it's not just CJ Hicks. He's like maybe the poster child for this, I suppose. But it happens at other positions too. It's like you're up by 50. Put the, put the backups in the game. Like, I know like it's not every, every game, not every game is like that, but there were, I don't know, four or five games at least last year where Ohio State was off comfortably enough that it could play the twos and the threes if it wanted to. And it's just weird to me that that they never did, especially at the linebacker position, um, knowing the talent they had on hand and knowing that eventually, um, even even like last year, like we weren't 100% certain that Tommy and Steele were going to be back. What if Tommy and Steele both decided to go to the NFL and they had no linebackers coming back right. and played any snaps last year? Like, I guess that's a hypothetical that you, that you can't get too worked up about now. But that that's the kind of stuff that I worry about. It's not It's not play cj hicks all the meaningful reps is like play him some in case that he in case he has to start next year and it didn't work out that he doesn't have to but he's gonna have to in 2024 so um i i hope that they realize that and, and play him much more than they did last year i think and tommy got a little bit closer with his decision you know than it, there was a point in the middle of october and november where it was like ohio state was sort of thinking that Steel Chambers may be considering a jump to the NFL. And then that sort of, you know, petered out just a little bit. And then it became like, oh, well, there's a lot more talk about Tommy. Could he go? The fact that both of those guys, they, they said that they made the decisions independently. Um, I'm not sure how much I believe that when you have him, uh, Tommy, Steele, and Kate all in the same room grunting at each other and be like, are you coming back? To, how about you? You want to come back? Uh, I don't know. Did you guys pay the rent for March? Yeah. Oh, I guess we're coming back. Uh, that has the opportunity to be really, if you're looking at this Ohio State team, and we assume that they're going to score points, uh, there are questions that we've talked about at quarterback and like offensive line and the uncertainty. I tend to believe, benefit of the doubt, Ryan Day is going to put up a lot of points. If this team is going to be a championship winner, it's going to be on the backs of a defense that takes the next step. And having... Tommy and Steele both decide to stick around has the potential to be one of the most impactful moves in college football. And as you said earlier, sometimes there's hyperbole coming from me, but those are two NFL linebackers. I don't know how high they're going to get drafted. They're NFL linebackers and Tommy should win the Butkus award. He, he had a strong case to win it last year. Uh, if you have those two as the backbone and nucleus for Jim Knowles, then you add James Laurinaitis into the mix. What, what does he help provide there with, you know, fundamentals or communication or badassery. Like, you know, there's a there's a good mix there for Ohio State to build on. And so those decisions in January, last January, could really pay off next January. Yeah, it's it, it changes the the at least it changes my viewpoint of, of the whole defense. And like say say the opposite happened and both those guys decided to go to the NFL. I think a lot of us would be excited about okay, it's time for CJ Hicks and Gabe Powers to step up or CJ Hicks and Cody Simon to to be the starters. And and I think Ohio State would have been would have been fine. They would have made that work. Um but to have I think that in Tommy and Steele they have probably two of the best, I don't know, four or five linebackers in the Big Ten on their roster, and two of the best, maybe like 20 like uh, off ball linebackers I'm talking about in, in all of college football 20 to 25 um, and Tommy's like in the, in the top five if not if not number one so um, yeah I, I don't I don't think you can overstate the importance of, of those decisions last year and um, certainly going into the 2022 season I, I never would have one thought that either of them would in a position to make a decision or and, and two that 
those decisions to come back would, would prove to be, and I guess we're projecting here, but prove to be so monumental for the defense heading into this season. But those guys are really, really good players. And it's not just about their talent and what, and what they could do on the field. I think they are, and Tommy in particular, for um, as much as he is a man of few words, I, I think he's very much a tone setter for that defense. And, um, you know, I think he's probably a little different around his teammates than he, than he is when he talks to us, as, as most players are. But I think the entire defensive unit, from the defensive line through the linebackers back to the secondary is going to feed off of what Tommy does. Um, so to have a guy back like that, um, yeah, it's it's you can't have a bigger, I think, offseason addition other than like, I don't know, CJ Stroud <laughs> deciding he wanted to come back for another year. <laughs> yeah, well, that I would have had to reconsider my observation there if that had happened. Yeah. Uh, you looked and you projected out the future as well in your uh, story there at OhioState.Rivals.com. I think it goes hand in hand with the James Laurinaitis impact when it comes to recruiting and restocking that position for the future. But it seems like you think uh, Ohio state might be well positioned. Yeah, I think they are. The The only thing in my mind that is um, a little bit of a question, I guess is, is Arvell Reese a, a linebacker? And I know we had that conversation the other day uh, or, or last week after one of the cancel when we all got to kind of see him walking around and, like he'll get a shot at linebacker. I think like he believes he's a linebacker, and, and that's great. I, I hope I hope that he is. He's just like gigantic. So I, if he if he grows into a defensive lineman, um, eventually or more of like a rush end, maybe like a a Baron Browning type of type of player, um, maybe that changes the the long term outlook because he was the only linebacker in that recruiting class. So, but I I think that really only gets hairy if, um, Gabe Powers and C J Hicks are your starters next year, and like they're both so good that they're one year starters. And then they go off to the NFL. Um, I wouldn't project that to happen. It's certainly possible, but but I wouldn't project it. Um, so as long as they can get two years starting out of at least one of those guys, and I think they will, then then I think they're they're pretty well set up there. When you have Arvell Reese there, and then you have the the two commits and uh, Garrett Stover and um, the, what's the kid from Texas? His name I can't believe we're getting his name. Peyton Pierce is that his name? Yeah, Peyton Pierce. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Uh, a I'm big, just, a big fan of James Laurinaitis. By the way, that's why I mentioned it. Like, it seemed like uh, I don't know in December of last year, this kid was going to go to Notre Dame. Uh, I wonder what the reason for switching his interest to Ohio State could have been. I don't know. That seems a real mystery to me. Yeah, and I think that is a a foreshadowing of things to come at that position. Um, Laurinaitis, and I, I, I mean, we've you know, you and I talked to him before. He's just a very engaging guy, and. It's not surprising to me that he has already uh, proved or, or, or yeah provided for Ohio State on on the recruiting trail. And I think that's only going to get better. Um, we'll even see if they can potentially add a third guy to that to that class with Pearson Stover in twenty twenty four. And if they can, then, then they're really well set up. But as as long as this is probably too much to say at this point in his coaching career, but like as long as James Laurinaitis is here, I I don't know that I have any real concerns about the long term outlook of that position because I think he's going to be able to help Ohio State get dudes. And then he and Jim Knowles together are going to be able to develop them and they're really good players. Do you like the regulators name for that group? Um, no, I don't. I, I'm like out on like the nicknames for most position groups. <laughs> I think I think I'm good with just calling them like linebackers and cornerbacks and receivers and quarterbacks. Like we don't we don't. I get it. Like you want to. I don't know. You want an identity of sorts, I suppose. But um, no. I'm not a I'm not a tremendous fan of the regulators. Um, I don't think it's really it's not it's not taken hold. I think as much as some of the other nicknames have. Um, but maybe if those guys or when those guys have another strong season this year, it will. 
Yeah, I don't think I will start referring to that unit as the regulators the same way that I do interchangeably with the Rushman. That one, I'm going to go ahead and say it is earned and deserved and established <laughs> from someone who's been coaching that position for a really long time. Regulators, I'm out on that. And I also, and I said this to somebody involved with that group last week, like, haven't we always called Ohio State's best linebackers silver bullets? Like, where did that go? They used to walk yeah. around even like five years ago with shirts that said silver bullets. Like that just disappeared from the vernacular overnight. I don't know. It's a much cooler nickname. Um, so I would, that one I would embrace because it has the history and tradition and it's cool. So that, that one's fine with me, but regulators, uh, yeah. Regulators should have stayed in Stillwater, I think. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the kind of analysis you can only get on the podcast daily, breaking down the names of position groups. Uh, maybe you took something else out of this conversation. I hope so. Uh, Bill Landis also wrote more in detail about it at ohiostate.rivals.com. You can join there. Get a free month on us with the code DTE30. Thanks again for spending part of your Monday with us. Hope you have a great week. For Bill, I'm Austin. We will talk to you later.